good with words, but I'm worse. But it started out a joke of a romantic stuck to my tongue. Way down with words too overdramatic. Tonight is a cat get much worse. There's no one should ever feel like I'm just wanted to make sure this is still convenient. It seems like you got a lot of stuff going on over there. We just got, no, to, we're fine. got to watch somebody print something on a printer and what kind of seedy stuff it's goes little, on around that house of yours. A little pre-show. Nobody wearing a mask walked by, did they? <laughs> well, not a COVID mask. The machine mask, oh. maybe. but Yeah, it was our, our guest for this week. Well, that's good. Well, this is episode 147 of Tell Me Where to Turn. Oh, this is already going, okay. Oh yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna kinda feel our way around here like if you put the mask over your eyes instead of your mouth. It's kind of the analogy I'm using. But you can just find go with it. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'm uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tommy two underscore zero. You can find me at point break underscore Dave. You can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven. Um, the show at, at where to turn pod. And if you want to email us, where to turn pod at gmail.com. I, I reopened the email for the first time in 2020 recently. Yeah. What, what was that inbox looking like? Was there a, uh, <laughs> was there a letter in there from Kyle Larson looking to see if we needed a fourth co-host? Yeah, there was a, uh, Yes. From the 42, it said, if you need somebody on the outside of row two, I'm your guy, because he is without a job for sure right now. Yes, it's whoever would have thought the uh, apartment in the sky of people losing their jobs in that same week would include Kyle Larson and Heath Slater (laughs) and Rusev. Yeah, no kidding. That was a surprise. So, serious question, though. Between Rusev, Heath Slater, and Kyle Larson, who do you think said the fireable word the most in their life? (laughs) Man. I mean, I have to go with the evidence. I think we've got to focus on that. And I think it's it's the half-Japanese Californian, Kyle Larson. You're telling me that a guy who lost his wife to Bobby Lashley... That just seems like the obvious answer to me, but maybe I'm crazy. Well, see, it, you can always go with the obvious. That's how Larson tried to, he, he'd just try to sneak one in with you too, because that's the way you'd be thinking. Listen, just because he likes to run around the outside of the wall and he has some interesting heritage doesn't mean he's trying to sneak up on everybody at all times, okay? <laughs> He's trying. He's just trying to get your attention in fun and inventive ways with his mic check. Oh goodness! Speaking so, of, do you, do you figure uh, what I figure as far as future income, at least potentially, he may have cost himself in the range of like eight figures in future income. Yeah, I th- I think that's accurate. But I also think that he will have a job before Art Bryles does. <laughs> That pays over a hundred k a year. Let me let me okay. rephrase that. Okay, fair enough. That's a that's an interesting. Can, is that prop available somewhere? Can I'm just saying. That? Just consider the sport, and then let him sit out a year. And I'm I'm betting you there will be a team somewhere. It won't be a top notch. He'll he'll take the Kurt Busch road back to glory. He'll. He'll start out at Levine Family Racing or Wood Brothers Racing and then work his way back up into a top-tier ride. That's what will happen. He'll be in, like, the Burger Street number 74 Honda at Daytona in 2022. But, yeah, by, like, the next year, he'll be back on a... No, there'll be a, there'll be a, team, team. There'll be a team out there that needs to improve their on-track performance and it's going to go with the tried-and-true, like, hey, everybody deserves a second chance. It's uh, and to me, it's not as much the team as it'll be whoever the sponsor is that really is going to be the yeah. one to take it in the shorts. Because you know, if Tony Stewart signs him to his team, and you know the pit crew, the crew chief, they're like, "Hey, we're just trying to win races." It's going to be 
I don't, you know, Family Dollar and Office Depot are going to yeah. be the ones going to have to answer for the other part. There's there's so, plenty of sponsors out there. I mean, Liberty University sponsors a car. I'm sure they'd be fine with it. Here's the real question, though: If we want to go, if we want to delve into some dicey waters for commercial, does the 2021 NASCAR game that needs to be the career mode? You're Kyle Larson starting at the bottom <laughs> after falling from grace and working your way back up. Man, uh, I, I'm telling you, when NASCAR Heat Five comes out, I'm if they have that career mode, <laughs> maybe the South can just sponsor him. Just leave it as that. Leave it at that. Like pretty much, he just he just only races in the South, and whenever they go to New Hampshire or Sonoma, they're just like, yeah, we're just gonna park her for this race. <laughs> Pro, silent protest. So. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I just couldn't make it last week was I was still mourning, uh, our most tragic death of 2020, the, the XFL. Well, I was wondering if Oliver Luck got you signed up for that lawsuit that he fired off this week. No, I don't think I'm seeing any of that money. I'm getting all my, uh, my remaining ticket and, you know, parking costs refunded to me. But I'm not seeing any new money. I'm just getting money back. I uh, Vince McMahon has a stellar record of not losing lawsuits, so I kind of like his chances in this one, even though Luck's seeking to extract millions from him. Yeah, I think the word is that he was going to make $5 million a year while the, while the league was in place, which is pretty... That's, a, that's more than I would have thought. Dead gum pal. Man. And so that thing is done unless somebody else wants to buy the rights to the name and the logos and, you know, coordinate everything. So unless Mark Cuban just gets bored and decides, let's just do this. I I think it's, I think it's done and it's uh, pretty, Vince is not going to reboot it again three years from now. I think he, you know, kind of proved it could be done. He's like, well, what are you gonna do? We we'll just move on. No, this was this was the perfect off ramp for him, in that he came back, he did it, it was modestly successful, and then he got the ultimate get out of jail free card with the pandemic, where he could say, "Well, every sport shut down, and we just weren't established enough to withstand it," and he can leave with his head held high, where he left in abject failure after the last one. It's perfect for him. It is. It was a fun five weeks, though. I'll never, I'll never forget it. Do you guys, speaking of things that got murdered, do you guys want two minutes on the Jimmy Snuka documentary? <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's hear it. So, pretty good, as really all but maybe one of the Dark Side of the Ring episodes have been, in my opinion. It wasn't tippy-top, but it was a good episode. But I didn't know a whole lot of the, like, details of the actual murder. I just know it was, you know, his girlfriend, and they were together, and she ended up dead. So the bit is there, I think it was somewhere up in, like, somewhere in the northeast, Pennsylvania, somewhere around there, they were having a show that then the WWF went there like every three weeks. It was kind of one of their big stops. And he's tippy-top main event guy. And he has this girl that he's been traveling around. You find out halfway through the documentary that he was also married and had a family. <laughs> he was basically doing the two separate lives bit. Well, and, and she was uh, like half his age. Yes. At the time, I think he was early 40s and she was maybe like 21, 22. Yeah. She was super young. Yeah. So just to cut to the end of it, there, there was some probably domestic abuse before this, like her sister and family were concerned about, but when she dies, uh, she, he calls the police from a hotel room saying that she's, you know, not breathing, whatever they come. 
She's wow, dead. Wow, that's a weird reaction to getting that phone call. <laughs> that's why they couldn't convict him. Take the whole tricking, tricking things up quite a bit. Oh goodness! So he initially tells like the officers on the scene that they were in a argument and kind of wrestling around, and she hit her head. And then he left to, the, to go to the match, and when he came back, she was non-responsive. Um, but he's like, you know, she just bumped her head. I thought she was fine. That was kind of his story. So the next day, when the, you know, more investigations happening, he changes that to, to kind of take the blame, take the onus off him that they were driving to, you know, whatever city it was, they, you know, from the previous town. So they're trying to make it there. They pull over just like the side of the road, not a gas station or anything for her to use the restroom. (laughs) just like out in the field. And when she's walking back to the car, she slipped and hit her head on the road and then got in the car. They drove. They thought she was fine. He leaves her at the hotel, goes to the match. So this is his story. Like this, that's the story. This he's going sounds with very again. much like the lamb of God documentary. Actually, <laughs> like he, was fi- he was fine. He sat down at a park bench. Oh, and then he died. <laughs> Nothing to so, do with us. So this is their their his story. He sticks with it. The sheriff who's in charge of the investigation is super squirrely. Like it seems very obvious that this guy was bought off by somebody to not investigate. So they're going through the documentary and you know, they keep and you know, the different people are recounting him that this is what he said, this is what he said. So then in her, you know, throughout the documentary, they're also talking to the Tonga kid who is part of the Samoan family. He was the nephew of uh, Afa and Sika, and he tagged with um, Snuka some of the time. So they kind of traveled together, and he's just telling different Snuka stories. So, like at the last ten minutes of the documentary, they're telling him. Like, you know, what they've uncovered and talking about the investigation. And they're like, yeah, so, you know, he said he was driving up there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was riding with him. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, you, Snooka, and the girl? He's like, yeah, I, we, we were at the town before, and I drove with him, too. And they're like, did they ever stop for her to? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and that was kind of like, oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and I don't recall them mentioning it at this point but then later on when they retried him he was well i mean well he was unfit but maybe it was right before that it was sometime he was falling back on a very language barrier issue so basically like anytime you need some flowers moved in a bed or (laughs) you're not happy with how the edging worked suddenly a language barrier just appears out of nowhere but he he was cl- he could clearly communicate this story that he had concocted. But then once things got serious, then there was a language barrier. Do you, do you think you faked the other stuff at the end, or do you think that was what took him out was real? I do know, like the when it was retried and the judge declared him, you know, mentally incapable of whatever. Like within a year after that, he died. So that not a not a rib. He really had he really had I cancer. I think that was a shoot. I don't think he was working. <laughs> he didn't have Roman, like Roman Reigns. He didn't have Roman Reigns cancer. He had shoot cancer. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, so before we get into the 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 real bulk of the episode, which is going to be you two guys, which I'm I'm so looking forward to, is not having to do one of these myself. One more thing to share, but my um. My son may have had a brush with the police today. Oh, no. Is he on a playground with a bunch of kids? I may have oversold the story slightly. Oh, no. The, uh, the neighborhood kids that all should be in school right now but are not due to pandemic, they've been riding their bikes just all throughout the neighborhood. And since for the majority of the day, there's not much traffic. It's just be kind of become their thing. And there's a group of six or seven of them. And of course they're practicing strict social distancing, making sure that they're <laughs> always 
six feet apart and never touching each other. Certainly not. not engaging in any horseplay at all. <laughs> well, as they've been riding through the neighborhood a few weeks ago, they discovered this creek that's kind of behind some of the houses. And there's uh, creek is where all of the runoff and water runoff and drainage from the whole neighborhood collects. So they've found just a treasure trove of items in this creek. They found basketballs and footballs and baseballs and just the, the everything. So they've been going down there and they're collecting all these items and they've got them all set out to the side. And then as kids will do, they've also figured out they can walk up the creek and they've made a little bridge. And then there's some low hanging vines that they can swing across the creek on the vines. And so actually, far, I like all of this yeah, story. This is like, <laughs> this is this good is old like classic childhood. Any town yeah. USA. So I actually was uh, having to go round up uh, my son for dinner, and he showed me this this vine swing, and he was so excited. He said, "Look, you know, you grab here, you swing across the creek. It's this is amazing." Well, apparently, and I didn't even realize this when I was there, but the bank that you stand on for the vines is somebody's uh, edge of somebody's backyard. There's no fence or anything, but it's just the edge of their property. And then the creek is all community property. So about a week ago, he said, he said, man, some, some guy like just came out yelling at us to get off of his property. And he was in, of course I said, would describe the guy. And he said, well, he has gray hair and I said, well, wow, there's, that's shocking news. I never saw that coming. <laughs> and then he said, and he's kind of fat. And I said, well, like how fat? And he's like, oh, I don't know, kind of like the big show. Okay. <laughs> and I was that like, the big show weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> that's not kind of fat. Um, so my instructions to the boys was, as much as you like swinging on the vines, Let's just stay in the creek, stay where you've been playing. And they know all the other neighbors that are near the creek, and they all are either have kids playing there or are fine with the behavior. Uh, but let's just stay away from the vines. So my son, being the obedient one, um, says, okay, well, today I'm uh, working, and he comes running in my room frantically, and he said, uh, he said Dad, uh, something happened. And I was like, okay, what happened? And he's like, well... I didn't do anything, and I said, "All right." He said, "I," but a couple of <laughs> the other, yeah, a couple of the other boys wanted to go swing on the vines, and I told them not to, but they did. And as soon as they stepped foot on the guy's property, he ran out of the house and called the police. All right. Wow. And I said, "Well, what did you do?" And he's like, "Well, I ran home, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he left. He left him behind, and then hey, immediately man. told on them." So, um, I'm in a conundrum. I have a conundrum now, and this is where I want you guys' opinions. Well, one is I, I did talk to my son. I said, look, the police hadn't showed up yet. He said the guy was on speakerphone with 911, which probably he was bluffing. I mean, right. it, the whole thing is probably a bluff, which, again, I don't want to tell my son that. Like, look, son, most of the time when people are talking big, there's nothing to back it up. <laughs> oh, I a, think you should. It's I a think good you life should tell him. Next time he comes out, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. Let's... <laughs> Let's yeah. call him. Let's get him down here. Yeah, but what I did say to him is I said, son, if the if the police ever do show up, don't run from the police. Um, there's been a long history of people that have, have not fared well doing that. No, you tend not to be able to outrun the bullets Yeah, when so, you run away. So, you know, I feel like we're pretty clear on that point. Well, here's where the conundrum kicks in. My My overall opinion on it was like, hey, let's just be really careful not go anywhere near that guy's yard and just go about your business and and don't push it. Well, the other dads of the neighborhood who's the story got back to all them want to all band together and go confront the homeowner, which I am not comfortable with. It's his property though. That's that's, the that's point. a problem. Yeah, that's that's my sticking point is because they're they're basically uh, saying, well, hey, everybody else in the neighborhood, you know, we're all trying to cope with a bad situation. Don't you be the a-hole and make a big deal about the kids barely stepping on the back edge of your property. But technically, I feel like he has the right to do that. I'm not saying I would do that or I endorse it, but I, I don't think you have a very firm leg to stand on if there's going to no. be a confrontation. Well, here's the thing, like really the only... Because I agree, like, if it's his yard, it's his yard. Like, the only way to de-escalate is, like, a 
hey, man, like they're not going to get up in your yard. You know, they're going to do this. And there's no way bringing a group of people <laughs> de-escalates no. it. That's no, like, no, a, no. hey, if you see them out when you're walking the dog or something, you're like, hey, man, how's it going? That's the one-on-one. Yeah, well, and, and he doesn't know who I am yet. So I almost want to stay off the radar entirely because then if, if the uh, – things ever do escalate further then I don't want to be affiliated with it. I just, I feel like yeah. I steer clear of it entirely. No, I think the right move, if one of those guys is absolutely wants to talk to him, one person go over there and just basically sell it as, Hey, they're kids. They don't have a lot going on right now. They found this. It's fun. I know it's on your property. And if you're not cool with that, we respect that, but just know they're not looking to damage it or whatever. And who knows? there's probably about a 20% chance the guy's like, oh, okay, as long as they stay out of this and stay out of the rest of my yard, it's fine. More than likely, he's going to say, I don't care. I don't want them on my property. And at that point, I think you just say, cool, that's fine. They're yeah. just kids. We'll tell them. Yeah, I'm thinking de-escalate because you know, the, other, the other idea would be to basically go over there and um, just as soon as he rings, as soon as I ring the doorbell and he opens the door, just RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> just leave him there well the other thing i think you risk is i don't know if anybody's gonna go confront him but you might also have dads that tell their their kids to be like don't worry about it just keep going over there no that's already happened and that's what i'm worried about is because the the dad that i've already got pegged as the one that wants to get into a confrontation Whoa. about it told you his kid what, <laughs> what he's I, the one taking the punishment now wait what did i say <laughs> you said you got him pegged I don't, I, so listen, I went to online church Sunday. We do not use that kind of language around here, but I think he told his son tonight, um, just keep doing it. Um, it, because he won't call the cops and if he does like, let him do it and and we'll, we'll talk about it, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't want to push it that far. I I feel like here's the the risk with that. Kids go over there, they do it. He doesn't call the cops. He walks out there, and then he wants the kids off his property, and he just grabs one of them, just anything. Not that he's going to hit them or anything, but he just grabs one of them by the arm. Well, now that kid runs home and says, I was on the vine, and he grabbed my arm and hurt me. Well, now the dad or multiple dads are over there. We're not de-escalating anything. (laughs) Now, if someone happens to own a gun, now we're at that point. I'm guessing that this this particular dad, um, he not only owns a gun, he probably owns enough guns to uh, rearm the entire South if we want to get the uh, war up and running again here. So, and and all of these folks would, um, hmm, how can I phrase this? Like n- none of the people involved would normally be paired with Cedric Alexander and or Ricochet, right? Uh, no, basically we would. Uh, it's basically the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to stay completely out of this? This is going to end up real bad. That was quite a quite a name to call out. <laughs> Oh, well, speaking of the Forgotten Sons, uh, we did do a little show pick'em, as we have known to do, with the penalty being a documentary review. And I believe that in tie for last place, Glenn and Point Break underscore Dave got to got to review a little documentary about an uh, interesting situation. So uh, set the stage for us, gentlemen, and I will do like Dave and try to ask as many annoying questions as possible, <laughs> uh, right as it seems like you guys are getting a little momentum, and, and we'll see how it goes from there. So, Dave, you feel free to, to take the lead. Okay. I would just say that we watched this at, at Tommy's demand that we finally watch something about white nationalism. <laughs> I believe yes, I so gave the- you two an option about a show that probably would have been much more interesting about living life as a minimalist. And then as soon as you heard the words white supremacy, you were like, I don't even need to know anything else. This is well, the one I want to watch. Sidebar on that. What, do you remember the name of the middle minimalism documentary? I think it was minimalism. Okay. Cause I watched like the first 30 minutes of that. Cause I'm at home with nothing to do. We made the right choice. 
That documentary is terrible. Oh, okay. All right. So, so Dave, pro-white supremacy. This is interesting. No. A very strange stance to take, but one that uh, he appears comfortable with. No, no, no. So the uh, documentary in question is called Welcome to Leith. Leith is a, I guess you would call it a town in yeah. North Dakota. Now, was yeah. the documentary produced independently or was it corporately funded by Target Credit One Bank and Chip Ganassi Racing? That's my question. <laughs> I don't believe it was any of those people, but you can't be sure. So the town of Leith is 1.2 square miles. So basically about as big as your backyard. About the size of my backyard. It, uh, According to the most recent census, it's down to 15 people. <laughs> At the documentary, it was 24, a population oh. of 24 people. So COVID has very much ravished Leith, <laughs> apparently. Wow. Yes. So um, I have my notes here. Uh, did, you, did you touch on, sorry, Ed? Uh, kid interruption. Did you have? Uh, did you touch on the population of Leith yet? Yes, I was saying it was twenty-four people at the documentary, <laughs> and there was the one family that uh, I didn't write all the names down. The one family that moved into town like a few years before, you know, five years before, or whatever. That mm-hmm. apparently they have never discovered what the condom is, <laughs> and like if their family is more than a third. Of the population yes. of the town. So we're going to talk about that family. Um, their last name was Cook. The The man's name was Lee Cook. Lee Cook. Yeah, so that was a funny point. They have a bunch of kids. And Tommy, you got to hang with me through this description of Lee Cook, okay? <laughs> so Lee Cook looks exactly like a guy we used to drag race with. But here's the thing. He doesn't look like a specific guy. He looks like a composite of everyone <laughs> rolled into one person. And he has a lot of kids, but as we find out later, he has one less kid than he used to. Indeed. Which was very, very tense. Yeah, well, we, yes, put a pin in that for right now, because yeah. that was maybe the most tense part. Um, so basically, what the way you're describing his look is a joke that you and I used to make for many years. Is in drag racing, you write your number on your car with shoe polish on the window, and uh, we would see a guy out in public, and Dave would say, "There's no doubt that guy's written a number in shoe polish before." So that's what you're saying about Lee Cook. Lee Cook is definitely many times. Um, so kind of the start of the documentary, they kind of are setting the scene. I mean, they show a little bit of Leith, but then they kind of delve into the, I guess, white nationalist culture. Very, like the first five minutes I was down here, my wife was kind of in and out of the room. Very uncomfortable with with the language in some of these clips of the white nationalist rallies. Yeah, we're not not playing audio, and that's uh, by design. Yes. Because we don't want McDonald's to drop us as a sponsor. And it's funny, like, there's a, there's, there, they have this whole, like, I guess, I don't know what you want to call it, subculture, like, they have their, I believe it was called the Vanguard News Network, and all these message boards, and they have a whole, like, media presence, I guess, that's furthering their cause, and there's all sorts of uh, subgroups, but they're all under the, I guess, white supremacist uh, heading. So they kind of go through some of that. They highlight um, a guy, I'm trying to remember, Cobb was his last name, Craig Cobb. That's the main guy. That's Who, the main, yeah. Like a notorious white supremacist. I mean, he organizes a lot of these you know, movements and rallies and he's notorious for like, um, outing people who have opposed them or have somebody from their movement or party kicked out of a different area and like publicly posting their home address 
or just other personal information about them, their families' names, where they live, so that people will harass them. I think they said he had been uh, like he literally like kicked out of Canada. I <laughs> yeah. believe. Wow, and, and that's hard and, to do because don't people usually flee to Canada? Yeah, and it was very much like kicked out and you cannot return to Canada <laughs> ever. <laughs> wow. And another uh, hit on the Craig Cobb list, the um, synagogue shooter had talked to him the day before he did that shooting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm guessing in all this setup of what their belief system is, it's not limited to just uh, people that drive the 43. It could also be... No, they are anti-Zion, to... if you if you will. And not Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably are... actually him too. They are uh, anti yeah, yeah. anti-Semitic. Anti-Zion and anti-Williamson. Yeah. Very <laughs> much so. Like so, so like it's not even subtle. If if someone's dad was concerned about who was gonna pay at, at a toll booth. He would be against that analogy too. Wow, that's a that's a deep cut for you there. That's a that's a joke for me. For a sp- uh, certain spring salesman. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, I want to get into the the next part, but quick uh, thing that they do reference here that we'll get into more. One of the. Uh, 24 people that lives in Leith is a member of the community. Oh, and please tell me he has a, a very apropos name. I don't have his name. I'm, I'm sure they said it at some point, but he isn't necessarily a main character in this. But what is funny is I think m- not every time, but most of the time they show him he's wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat. <laughs> Which I love. Oh, he was a mechanic, I believe. But yeah, his his name was like Derek or something like that. It wasn't. Are you looking for it to be like Barcavius? No. Okay. I mean, Willie Willie T. Ribs would be okay. No, his name was just. So Derek was there, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the. The main point, and this is where it kicks off, is Craig Cobb, who we've already talked about some of his antics, his past anyway. He, I don't know how he came up with Leith. I'm guessing he did the coming to America and spun a globe and (laughs) put his finger on it. It's like Leith or Seattle. (laughs) We go to Leith. So... He decides he's going to go. Obviously, it's a tiny town of 24 people. He's going to go and start buying property, which, as you might imagine, not real expensive (laughs) in Leith, North Dakota. And he's going to his ultimate plan is kind of take over the voting rights of the county. So of the one point whatever square miles, he's he's buying up a a good portion of that. Yeah, so he. He buys up 12 lots of land total. And the thing was, he he, he buys the, the plots of land, and they know who he is. But at first, it's just kind of like, ah, we know what this guy's about, but we can't forcibly remove him from our town. Well, quick, but, hold on, quick pause there, Glenn. They know what he's about, and when he shows up to like go to the clerk to buy the land he's wearing a jacket with swastikas all over it yeah he's not subtle at There's all no chill so he had not lost home. he had not lost his sponsorship from the third reich is what you're telling me no and he had not had an eye racing incident with hitler <laughs> the, but he's not subtle at all like he even from what i recall he even kind of gives away the plan like at the beginning. Yeah. Because once he starts to kind of get confronted with, you know, kind of what are you doing here? And maybe, you know, we don't really need you here. He's like, I'm buying up all this land. All these people are going to move here. 
and we're going to outvote you and everybody on the city council. It, you're going to be out. All my guys are going to be in, and we're going to run this whole thing. Instead of, I'm not promoting his agenda. I'm just saying this should have been like a two to three year plan instead of move in and like take over by week one and a half. Yeah. Should yeah, have, so he, he should have kind of warmed it up first. Exactly. Just hang out for like six months and then drop the hammer. So he comes in, like Glenn said, he buys 12 plots of land. He, through their, you know, phone calls and emails, he essentially deeds several of them to like these other leaders of other white supremacist groups. And it's trying to get like, he's trying to get like, uh, basically all of them to converge and create this one town, like the, uh, like a league of, you know, villains in some, uh, you know, comic book movie. So he, um, Craig Cobb moves in and then he has this young kid named Dutton. Oh man, this guy was a beating oh my gosh so like we've seen from many of the uh movies about different cult leaders and stuff we've watched they always tend to prey on those that probably don't have a lot going on in their lives (laughs) dunton is example one of that he's this scrawny little kid he's got this wife that outweighs nia jacks (laughs) Obviously of a different race. <laughs> he is probably, yeah, he's probably about 5'10 and 113 pounds. Oh, no. But he's, he's a veteran, so, you know, America. And he, like, has, a, has, like, this not growing in all the way, but definitely a Hitler mustache oh, that he's yeah. trying to grow. He's trying him, his wife, and I think they have two kids. Yeah. Are living on uh Craig Cobb, like the lot that Craig Cobb lives on. He's allowing them to live in the back of it in like a trailer that has no running water. <laughs> like they have to go out to the outhouse. Yeah, and so we have to we'll get to that later because yes. that uh, that becomes a strategy. But that's the only lot that has like a building on it. The other ones are just he's he's bought them in the name of these various leaders of these different and it's sects just and it's of, just bare whatever, just empty land, just flat land. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing developed, and so they they bring up it was like the nationalist socialist movement, mm-hmm. and these guys are like the muscle because they have the first town meeting after they've moved in. Um, they've established some kind of a presence. There's been a few small, you know, minor conflicts and it's like the first city council meeting and the people of Leith, all 20 of them are not happy, but Craig Cobb knows that he needs something other than him and the real skinny guy. So he calls these other guys in just to be present at the meeting and just try to basically be able to shout down the rest of the population of the town. Yeah. Very well said. And I don't, I don't understand if his, again, efficiency, he's not like Six Sigma guy because efficiency. (laughs) So he's not, he's not, he's not, doesn't have his green belt yet. This is the play right here. Like I'm watching this thinking, oh my God, they're going to take over this town, force people out, or these people don't have money to move and they're just going to have to live here alongside this (sighs) giant white nationalist group that's going to dictate their every you know task and movement during the day and he has these guys there and they have like this conflict at the um they i mean the sheriffs are there you know leith probably has one to two uh police officers but maybe they brought somebody in from the neighboring town so just to be have, there at the they meeting have their own police with that no boat? the the town itself didn't have any police so it's like, like state troopers? yeah oh, okay all right i was yeah. gonna say because if they have 30 people and two police officers that that's Pretty decent ratio. <laughs> they just lucked out. They just happened to be police officers. If but anyway, one of them was they, Amber they, Geiger, so it was like a pro-con kind of a thing. Okay. So there is uh, 
there was one guy who's like just not hearing it, and he basically just confronts anybody who's there, and he's basically like, "I'm gonna kick all your asses, and nothing's gonna stop me." And so basically, the, what's the about troopers, to happen at our neighbor's house here? The troopers escort him out because that was the warning: we're not gonna threaten people, we're yeah. not gonna uh, whatever, and they escort him out. And that's the, th- the first thirty minutes of this were so annoying because whether it's Cobb or the people he brought in there. There's such, you know, the little uh, Red Riding Hood just going through the forest, like all. <laughs> they're like, we're just like any other group, and they're they're naming, you know, the NAACP and two or three other ones, and they're like, we're no different than that. Meanwhile, it shows like where they live and like the signs that are posted with all kinds of words and symbols that I'd rather not speak audibly right now, and I'm like. You're no in no way, shape, or form are you like the other groups that you're naming whatsoever. But it's all innocent. Like I can't believe they don't want us to live here, and this is America. And the whole, you know, uh, there's a white genocide going on, and this whole thing. And I'm just like, man, just because it. Yeah, I think one thing that Dutton referenced was, hey, I read the other day that. White people aren't the majority anymore. We're only forty percent of the population now. Yep. Okay. No, they got they got all their gimmicks in. They got all their all their talking points in for sure. And promos. To go along, <laughs> they were cutting promos. And to go along with what Glenn said, um, in addition to the signs, the property that Cobb and Dunton are living on, Dunton goes out every morning and basically recreates the entrance to six flags in their yard. Like they had only, they had like 10 flags of all these different, like white national. And they, they, um, he put up the flags of all the countries of the third Reich, like even countries that have distanced from that. Now he's like, well, they were originally, so he's putting up like Romania or whatever. Dude, it looked like, um, he's got a lot of bits. Yeah, I mean, there were so many flags. It looked like over in Haltom City near <laughs> Belknap and Northeast 28th Street, where my dad's shop used to be, where all the used car lots were, with the the flapping, like, red, white, and blue, just flags in every single lot. Like, it was just in this beaten-down house with no running water. Yeah, so they're, they're essentially living at the Cambria Hotel. <laughs> No fruit. <laughs> no fruit. No, no ginger beer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kind of the, like Glenn was talking about. So they go to this meeting. And first, did this bother you, Glenn? Oh, so, so Cobb is doing the, as Glenn put it, the little Red Riding Hood bit. So he's walking around like antagonizing everyone, trying to get someone to punch him or react to him. But instead of walking around like with a phone like a normal person, he has his MacBook like fully opened up and he's like holding it in his chest, like talking to people. Yeah. That was definitely annoying. Video and everything. Well, maybe and maybe when, he had like iMovie on there and it would just be easier to edit. Maybe that's it. He didn't want and to have to worry about broadcasting getting... that on the you know, the Vanguard network or not, like uh, live. But this was the moment that I couldn't believe that Lee Cook was able to restrain himself and not just absolutely Ivan Drago this guy to the ground. Because and Lee Cook looks like the type that that's the way he would settle something. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. If Lee Cook tells me I don't want you swinging on my vines because they're on my property, <laughs> I'm just gonna say yes, sir. I got it. No big deal. Um. He's sitting there just kind of minding his own business. I think he says something to Craig Cobb, but it's not it's not like real, you know, profane or anything like that. It's very much like, hey man, we don't need this here. We're just trying to yeah, you know, we're fine without you here and we don't need you or who you brought with you. Yeah. And Craig Cobb immediately references that Lee Cook's seventeen year old daughter was murdered and then insinuates multiple times that maybe he had something to do with it and kind of puts him on the spot in front of everybody. Like, you know, maybe there's something, you know, that the rest of us don't. Wow. Maybe you were just trying to get rid of her. I couldn't believe it. Like he didn't even stand up, no. but you could tell that he was, I, I, 
man, I was, uh, I had to take, you know, five seconds away from the phone and kind of walk a circle around the room. So did they, do they get into what, uh, exactly what did happen with the daughter? Is that, or is that not really part of the documentary? No, it's not part of it, but It's it's just that she was murdered. But yeah, it was, it was super tense because you're just sitting wow. there and you're like, because you know, like, reacting is what Craig Cobb yeah, wants. Yeah, he's trying so you're to like, elicit don't, a reaction. Don't do it. But then you're also like, how do you know sell this, man? Like, yeah. That's, how in the world? That's almost unbelievable. But so that happens. And, you know, other than the one guy getting thrown out, uh, Lee Cook and the rest of them don't play into Craig Cobb's hands. They all kind of keep their cool. We also get to meet the mayor a little bit, and he's kind of a funny character because this guy, like, he's just a, like, I guess the previous mayor died and he became mayor, and he's just like this, you know, he's got a few kids and a wife and a ranch or whatever, and he's just like, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm the mayor, and like, he's he didn't know what a white supremacist was. <laughs> like he had never heard that term, and then wow. he's now the mayor of the city that's getting all this attention. So well, they really did. He outlined that, and when they first introduced him, they showed some of the ranch and farm life, and it very much was, "Hey, I've lived here, whether it was all of his life or since he was a kid or whatever." And uh, yeah, we had the ranch, and then the former mayor, you know. Frank Smith, uh, when he passed away, it was just kind of everybody just kind of looked at him, <laughs> and that was like that was the election. Like, hey, you're the mayor now. <laughs> and before this, I'm sure the mayor had no, no real responsibilities. No, not at all. I'm sure it's organizing like a chili cook-off and things like that. Like, no major issues. Take take your local uh, HOA and reduce the responsibility by like ninety percent, <laughs> and that's being mayor of Leith. So they uh, they go through that, and then um, does Dutton has a confrontation with a bunch of old people. Yes, which was kind of just it. I don't know. I think it was just trying to establish the animosity that was building between them and the rest of the population. So does, yeah. the, does the documentary have film of this that the white supremacist shot when there's confrontations or they just talk about it? No, they have film because most of the time Dutton's wife was like falling around because they're trying to, I guess, show that they're being discriminated or they're not welcomed in the town. I gotcha. Yeah. Because that's essentially... I guess, um, does the the uh, city regulations happen first, or does them walking around with the guns happen first? The city regulations, I believe, happen first, because that kind of triggers their, in my mind, just yeah. really not well-thought-out decision. But Dutton has this confrontation with a bunch of, not a bunch of guys. A quarter of the population was there. <laughs> But they're all like 75 years old. And I forgot what he was there for, but they were like, no, this is not happening. He is just yelling at these old guys. And then finally he steps back and gives like the Heil Hitler maneuver. He does. And no one is uh, taking this lightly. They've called the troopers, I guess, because one of them shows up. They end up arresting him. And of course, then he plays the victim as like his rights are being violated, even the one, even though he's the one instigating the entire issue. And I guarantee you um, that state trooper or sheriff, whatever it was, could have just broken that guy in half. <laughs> yes. if he wanted to. It wouldn't have taken much. So after this confrontation and it's still, it's just Cobb and Dutton, like all the other people came in, but no one has taken up a residence in Leith yet. So, uh, Mayor, good old Lee Cook, they basically separate, basically everyone who lives in the town except Craig Cobb, he was not invited to this meeting. They all get together and they're like, hey, you know what? 
none of the 12 pieces of property Craig Cobb owns have running water or sewer to them. So Craig Cobb is out of state, so they have a city council meeting while he's gone, and they pass through a new ordinance that says, and it's it's so funny, it's like worded like, for the safety and something of our city, we now require all landowners to have running water and sewer that's properly maintained. <laughs> basically, and they're like, all right, all, all those in favor, and every hand goes up, and they're like, all right, signed. <laughs> well, think about it, okay? You got this property out there, this building with no running water, and you've got Craig Cobb, you've got Dutton, you've got their little kids, and you've got this mastodon there, <laughs> who they probably walked out there and like, do you, do you guys have a pet elephant? I mean, what what is this out here? Uh, so that's pretty awesome. So they, um, the next thing is, this is kind of like the, the big, I guess, crescendo of it is Craig Cobb comes back and him and Dunton decide to get their, you know, whatever they have, AR-15, some yeah. kind of machine gun rifle. rifle. And they're walking around basically claiming they're walking either on their property or public property, but just walking around antagonizing people. And uh, one of, they start, was it, it may have been uh, Cook they started yelling at? They started yelling at someone. Is either Cook or the mayor. Uh, yeah, and so it's it's the, the two guys, and then Nia Jax is the one that's following them and filming the whole yes. thing and commentating it with, hey, this is my, that's my husband and Craig, and we're, we're being harassed, so we're just defending ourselves type of thing. And they're just walking through the tra- town trying to intimidate everybody. And they have, you know, they played a couple of 911 calls in the background of people calling saying, you got to get here because he's, these guys have rifles. They're just walking through the town. We don't know what they're going to do. And somebody, I don't know if it was Lee or not, but he comes out and confronts them. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, he's basically just more confronting him. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Get out of here. And Craig Cobb basically cusses him out in every which way or form and throws out some him. threats yeah. as, as to what he would do, including obviously that if he you know keeps talking, he's going to kill him. Um, you know, Dutton, all 104 pounds of him is, is firing off from his mouth as well, and it doesn't work out. The plan doesn't work out. They didn't really think this through all the way. I don't think. So the cops get called, and the cops come out, and. I will say this, like the state troopers, whoever, they're they're being very by by the book, even though you can tell they obviously don't like Cobb and Dunton. But they're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to sort it out. Just go home. They don't arrest them on the spot. But then when they get more testimony, they, you know, like, okay, you know, these guys were, I believe, I don't remember what, I think they classified it as terrorism or something because they were basically making threats against people yeah terroristic threat so they arrest them and take them both to uh take them both and i i think dutton gets out pretty quickly but he got basically the canada treatment (laughs) out of jail but he was told to go away and never come back so cobb um they're supposed to take it to trial and the DA or whoever ends up accepting a plea, but he's, I guess, in jail waiting trial for a little while. And while he is the, uh, Lee cook and mayor and the other good old boys of the town get together and they're like, you know what? We think this Craig Cobb property is not up to standards. Ah. We think it's condemned. Oh. So then they get like this front end loader and try to like demolish it, but it doesn't work. So they end up just burning it to the ground. 
It is like a big party to them too. Like they oh, are yeah. just overjoyed when they hollering. set that thing on fire. And then I don't remember if it's Craig Cobb or one of the other big wigs in that community that he called in. Like they have like someone asked them about it and they're like, Oh, well, we just want to thank the town of Leith for clearing our property. Cause we're going to come in and build even bigger and all this uh-huh. stuff. Like they're still going hard, but it, uh, they end up making the plea deal with Cobb and he essentially gets no further jail time. It was like time served and probation. Cause it ends really oddly. Like he, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So uh, this was my issue with the documentary because it was, is maybe an hour and 20 minutes long. And so I'm so you have the build at the beginning. I'm thinking, man, they're taking over this town. This is yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it, the town fights back. It's like a classic, you know, '80s, early '90s movie. Um, but I'm thinking at the end, I was like, well, he's going to have something for him, or this is going to have like a pu- punctuation at the end. Well, he gets out of jail. He basically goes and checks in at a hotel, and you can see he's going to reconnect with people online, and you know, he's not changing his ways by any means, but, um, you know, maybe there's something else I'm leaving out, but you know, the documentary talks to him at the hotel, interviews him a little bit. And, um, then he basically just gets in his pickup and just drives away. And, (laughs) uh, it ends with just saying that, uh, there are still plots of land within the town that are technically owned by, and they listed off like three of the, major people of these other groups that he bought them, purchased them in their names, but they've never moved there, but they still technically own the land. And it's like the end. That's yeah. it. Wow. Well, that's disappointing. I was hoping for more. I mean, it sounds like they, they had all the components for a good story. They had interesting characters and a crazy plot line, and then it just fizzles. That's, that's disappointing. Oh, this was... This was yeah, I mean, the first hour, very hour, hour and five minutes, very intriguing. Like the last 15 minutes, just a complete popcorn fart. Like just, <laughs> wow. it was all build up. And then, because I sent you guys a note, I was like, I didn't, I didn't like take notes. I just made mental notes. And my last mental note was just, that's it. <laughs> like when the credits rolled, I was like, there's no way like that. I felt like I didn't even. I only well, got that, like they half really, the story. yeah. The the websites that I was looking at to find, you know, controversial documentaries, like it, it was ranked pretty highly. And in the way that even the setup read made it sound like they were successful in taking over the town. So I'm, I. No, you, I I will say this. I don't want to say I'm disappointed because that would come off wrong. But <laughs> and to Glenn's point, like the first, yeah, forty five minutes of it are very riveting you're like oh man you know what's gonna happen definitely ends in a anti anti-climatic way but a few questions i wanted to ask and tommy even though you didn't see it you can definitely chime in so they're you know whatever 35 minutes into it when cobb and dutton they're raising their flags they're walking around that looks like they have a pretty good plan to take over the town they interview uh uh the one black dude and he's like nah i'm not i'm not leaving Uh, this is this is where i live and i'm sitting there i'm like i mean i respect the the fortitude but it's leaf man (laughs) it ain't that great (laughs) like maybe you just uh just try to go on to a place where there's not people next door that want to kill you. <laughs> that was when they first moved there too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it never really developed to the point of where he probably would have been like, yeah, let's, uh, cause he had family who was married. I can't remember if they had kids, but, um, I feel like field got bad enough. He would have, he would have found a way to be a mechanic somewhere else. Yeah. Do you remember the, other than Craig Cobb uh, talking to Cook about his murdered daughter, do you remember the other most uncomfortable scene? It was at the very end with Dutton and his family. 
Oh, yes. Do you want to talk about this? You want no, me to? No, you go ahead. <laughs> and this was definitely like they had to have shot whatever, you know, I don't know if it was hours, but a lot of footage with this family, with Dutton, his wife, and it was one of their kids. And they're sitting on the couch, and you're, you're Dutton and his wife are talking, and then one of the kids walks up, and they're asking him, like, what they uh, what they learned at school today. And they're like, wow, we learned about words. And then the next thing was, well, what letters did you learn about today? Tommy, do you want to take a guess as to what was in the documentary as to the letter that they learned that day? Words that start with? Uh, well, in... <laughs> Bingo. And then he's, they're like, well, tell us some words that start with N. And he says, like, I don't remember what he says. He, said, he named off like two, like nature or, yeah. you know, it was like, like small word, like not. And then there's like a long pause. And I'm basically watching this feeling like I'm on like the <laughs> tight wire walking across the Grand Canyon as the kid goes, Nickel, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, that's another word that starts with N." And then it like cut away, and I was yes. so the much. Palms are sweaty. You're just like, <laughs> "Oh no!" Looking around for the the eye racing sim rig, they're gonna put me in and take my job away. Wow! But despite the uh, the anticlimactic ending, I will say I thought it was well done. Um, it was, <laughs> boy, this is, how, how do I phrase this? I thought it was well, well done. I mean, obviously, you know who the bad guys in the documentary are, but I don't like it when documentaries just kind of like force feed, like they make it uber, like, I don't know what the the right word is, but they let these people say their pieces and they, they had footage of them when they were trying to antagonize and look crazy, but they also had footage of Cobb when he's just sitting there and he's calm and he's, you know, spouting his beliefs, but they didn't like, it wasn't every footage of these people were them farting and falling down. There was no narrator trying to guide the story. They were just showing their footage. And I thought that was well done. Yeah. It was fair to the white nationalists, is what. <laughs> That's what Dave is looking for in his documentaries. That's not fair oh, and unbiased. <laughs> but uh, so definitely worth you. a watch. Yeah, thank you for the punishment. No, good, good. Well, I'm glad. And next um, next sporting event we pick, I hope that you guys lose again because I enjoyed this. I enjoyed being on the other side of this for a change. It was it was great. Hey, Tommy, do you want a quick thing that I just realized that is either going to blow your mind or you realized instantly? Sure. Do you remember, I'm going to reference two TV shows that we like a lot. One is Ozarks. Yeah. Or Ozark. Ozark, yes. And one was the great miniseries we watched called Waco. Which is also on Netflix now. Yes, and being, highly, being highly promoted on Netflix. I keep getting it recommended to me. I'm like, look, I did a podcast on this. <laughs> I've, so, I know this show. Think of Waco. Think of Tibbs, right? He was a McCulkin brother, right? Yeah. Good old yeah. Tibbs. The girl he marries is Ruth in Ozark. Yeah, oh. I did know that because I had watched Ozark before... Uh, before Waco. That is correct. I'm three seasons into Ozark and just realized that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Indeed. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's been fun. I think the next episode, we will be able to start the topic of reopening society from COVID because we live in two of the only three states that are officially opening for business this week. Um, well, not completely. I think it's kind of up in the air. Well, the great state of Tennessee is back in business, brother. I have, are you guys I have an appointment your... at the hair salon. I'm ready to go. Are you ser- Are your gyms open? No, actually, the gym is not open yet. What about your bowling alleys? 
don't know. Because that's big in Georgia, apparently. That was on the list of like phase one. It was gyms and hair salons and massage therapists and bowling alleys. Dude, you want to talk about a place you don't want to go during a pandemic? Bowling alleys. That's one of the filthiest places if we're in the most healthy society possible. Just filthy balls everywhere (laughs) and nachos. Awful. That's Georgia for you. I don't know. Uh, Abbott's gonna roll, roll out, roll out, roll out. <laughs> Rephrase uh, that, sir. It's executive order. But uh, Mr. Buffet has uh, already said Dallas should shelter at home through the middle of May, but Abbott can overrule it, though. The irony of a guy who once walked into an Ebola apartment with no personal protective equipment on now wants to shelter through May. I woke up, it was seven. I waited till eleven just to figure out that no one would call. I think I've got a lot of friends, but I don't hear from them. What's another night all alone when you're spending every day on your own? And he-